Aloha, and welcome to The Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel, Kaneohe. Today, Pastor Ralph continues in Genesis chapter 18 with a message entitled, Faith That Prays for Others. This is part two. And now, here's Pastor Ralph. Well, it goes on in verse 22. The next question I put up is, how bold should we be? How much do you press God in the midst of this to change the world around you or change people's hearts or whatever? Verse 22 says, the two other men went on toward Sodom, but the Lord remained with Abraham for a while. And Abraham approached him and said, will you destroy both innocent and guilty alike? Suppose you find 50 innocent people there within the city. Will you still destroy it and not spare it for their sakes? Surely you wouldn't do such a thing, destroying the innocent along with the guilty. Why, you would be treating the innocent and the guilty exactly the same. Surely you wouldn't do that. Should not the judge of all the earth do what is right? I I like this. And it says, the Lord replied, If I find 50 innocent people in Sodom, I will spare the entire city for their sake. Well, let's just talk about this a little bit. This is incredible boldness here. I mean, here's Abraham coming to the Lord and saying, Hey, whoa, slow down here. What's up? It says something to you and I about prayer. But he has courage because God likes people to be straight with him and to pray to him. There's a scripture I want to give you. You could write it down there in your Bible where Abraham first speaks to God. It's John chapter 15, verses 7 and 16. And in that scripture, Jesus is talking, and he's talking about prayer. And he says, if we remain close to the Lord. Remember we talked last week where where the, the, the Lord says, walk with me and be complete. If we're walking with God, we're participating in a, in a relationship with God. And he says, you can ask anything and it'll be done for you. He goes on a few verses later in verse 16 and he says that God's intention is for your life to bear fruit, for your life to make this world a better place is what that means. And if you're doing that, and you're attempting to do that, again, you can ask anything and God will do it for you. And so this idea of being bold in our prayer, uh, it, it's nothing that ought to frighten us. A lot of us, I think, get this thing of, well, I haven't lived such a good life this week, so I'm afraid to pray. If I come to God, he might get mad at me. And that's exactly what the devil would want you to think. Because what God wants you to do is get close to him so he can work good stuff in your life and he can bless you. Another scripture I want you to see is, is this business about judgment and judging the righteous along with the, the unrighteous. And in Matthew chapter 24, it's a prediction of the end of time and of horrible judgment upon the earth. And the one thing the Lord says is uh, he'll cut it all short because he wants to spare the righteous people in the midst of it. That's what that verse is all about. So God's intent is to take care of people who are trying to walk with Him and, and, and working out in love for Him. So you can count on that in your own walk with God and in your own prayer life. Let's go to the next point here in the Scriptures. The next question I have is, well, just how far can we press God? It says in verse 27, Abraham spoke again. Well, since I have begun, let me go on and speak further to my Lord, even though I am but dust and ashes. Suppose there are only 45 righteous people. Would you still destroy the city for just lack of five? And the Lord said, I won't destroy it if I find 45. Then Abraham pressed the request further. Suppose there are only 40. And the Lord replied, I will not destroy it if there are 40. Uh, Please don't be angry with me, my Lord. Let me speak. Suppose only 30 are found. And the Lord replied, I won't destroy it if there are 30. Then Abraham said, since I have dared to speak to the Lord, let me continue. Suppose there are only 20 righteous people in the city. And the Lord said, I will not destroy it for the sake of the 20. Finally, Abraham said, Lord, please don't get angry. I'll speak but one more time. Suppose only 10 are found. And the Lord said, well, then for the sake of the 10, I will not destroy it. 
And the Lord went on his way when he had finished the conversation with Abraham. And Abraham returned to his tent. One more time. Let me, let me, you know, let's just talk this over one more time. Just, just push it just a little further and a little further. And it gets down, if there's ten out of the several thousand people that live in this community, I won't make some volcano go off next door and rain fire and brimstone on the town. I'll let it be. Turns out, there's not even ten. That's what we're going to get into next week. But God spares the righteous people. He moves them out of town before he does the other thing. That's a whole other story. But I want you to think about uh, the fact that, and, and this, this has to do with what we're talking about today, praying on behalf of others. But there's, there's a broader application to our lives. Just praying, period. Press in. Press in. The Bible says in one place that if you search for me with all your heart, I will let you find me. It says in another place that God is looking around, trying to find people. He says it in this way. The eyes of the Lord search through the whole earth, going to and fro, looking for somebody whose heart is completely His, so He can bless that person. In other words, somebody that's, that's, that's getting close to God, pushing in on Him, is somebody that God wants to be in a relationship with. And that's, that's, that can be you and I. That can be you and I. You know, I was talking to somebody this morning who got a hold of this book that we've been giving away to new people and selling to the rest of you in the back there called uh, uh, Prayer, Getting What We Need from God. And In the first chapter of that book, I wrote about that prayer is oftentimes like a fishing net. And you know, if you have a net with, you know, large gauge net, big holes in it, a lot of fish are going to pass right through that net. But if you, can, if you can shrink the size of the holes in the net, if you can shrink the gauge of the net to where it becomes smaller and smaller, uh, you're going to catch more fish. Well, that's true of our prayer life. A lot of times our prayer life has gaping holes in it. Sometimes they're torn holes. Sometimes it's, there's some sin going on in our life and we just get out of fellowship with God and we're not having much happen. But if we will work on repairing the nets and we'll work on tying things together, we're going to know the grace of God in our life and we can, be, we, can, we can press into God and press into seeing our needs met and we can press in in praying for others and seeing God redeem people and bring them to Him. Does this make sense to you so far? Now... Let's just kind of clarify things and tighten it up here because I'm going to jump away from Abraham and go into the New Testament. Abraham is, is, uh, is concerned because some of his friends and relatives live in Sodom. And they're basically righteous people. And he figures it out that God's going to judge the whole culture down there, the whole bunch of them. And so he's, he's selfishly praying this prayer, really. He's saying, spare the people that I love. And, and he's caring not so much about the non believing people or the, the people who are doing some pretty despicable things. But he prays for the city on behalf of these people. I, I think that in some ways we're like Abraham, in a, in a part of Abraham here that I wish we weren't like. And that's a, there's a selfishness about us. There's a, a tendency, I think, for Christians today to have this, this polarized relationship with the rest of the world. We look at people who don't know the Lord, and, and sometimes you see sort of self-righteous Christians looking down their nose at other people. You know what you and I need to get used to is think about the worst person you know. What makes them so bad? Maybe you actually know somebody that's feeding drugs to little kids to make money. I mean, who's bad? And God intends to do good in that person's life as much as he intends to do good in my life or yours if he's given the chance. I'll tell you, one of the things that's really sick about Christianity and the current version of it is it's distanced itself from the people who mostly need to know God. And it's become judgmental and harsh. Uh, we, we've defined our political position and anybody who disagrees with us becomes the enemy. And that's wrong. 
That's wrong. When we wrap ourselves up in a cloak of self-righteousness and, and we're down on everybody else, we're missing out on... You know, Jesus said, the last thing he said uh, to his disciples is, I have all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And my job is to tell you to go out and make disciples of everybody in this world. And that includes the person that you just spoke of. Hmm? The words that we're going to read here in First in Peter, I'd like for you to turn over to this passage of Scripture. Uh, we want to talk about three steps toward faith in others. And I want us to go to First Peter chapter 3. Three steps toward faith in others. And as we read uh, Peter's words here, let me, let me read them to you, and then I want to give you a little background, and then we'll, we'll draw the application. In verse 11, 1 Peter 3.11, he says, Turn away from evil and do good. Work hard at living in peace with others. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do what is right, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. Let's go ahead and read verse 13. Who will want to harm you if you're eager, eager to do good? But even if you do suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't be afraid and don't worry. Instead, you must worship Christ as the Lord of your life. And if you're asked about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. But you must do this in a gentle and a respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. And then if people speak evil against you, they'll be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Better, remember, it is better to suffer for doing good, uh, if that is what God wants, than to suffer for doing wrong. Well, here's the background. Peter, the apostle, who was a leader in the church in Jerusalem, wrote this letter, because all of those epistles in the New Testament actually are letters. He wrote this letter for general circulation among the churches at the time, which might mean that he spammed them. You know, it might be that there were several copies of the letter and they were sent all over the Mediterranean world. Or it might actually be that he wrote one letter and it just got passed around. But what we have is a letter to the churches. And, and if you read through 1 Peter, the, the underlying theme of 1 Peter is how to, how to live while you're, while you're suffering and you're being persecuted for your faith. What we know is, as, as the, the first century was coming to a close, when Peter was written, when Revelation was written, some of these things, there was intense persecution against the church. Of the twelve disciples of Jesus, Jesus, you know that Judas Iscariot committed suicide after he betrayed Jesus. But those that survived after the resurrection of Jesus, the other eleven, ten of them were martyred for their belief in the Lord. And the eleventh, uh, John, died as a, as a slave in exile, breaking rocks on an island called Patmos. But it got worse. People were literally boiled in oil. There's a book called Fox's Book of Martyrs. It's probably, it's so old, it's like a thousand years old, it's, it's probably online. You probably could just type in Fox's Book of Martyrs and, and read this. Literally, they would boil people in oil. They would scald people to death with hot water. Or they would go in the, the Colosseum in Rome. See, Rome was breaking apart as a culture. It had, it had grown so uh, debauched that they couldn't get people to go to work and they, and they had huge unemployment and they were just uh, trying to entertain people to keep them from rioting. And, and so they had all these ungainly sports contests that were going on in the, the Colosseum in Rome. And, and when that wasn't enough for people and they wanted more violence, they began to kill criminals in, in bizarre ways. And, and then they began to, they're persecuting the Christians already, they began to murder them in, in public in front of thousands of people. And it got so bad that they would... They would you know, go to the butcher market and get the skin of, of a lamb or a calf that had been killed that was still bloody on the inside and literally stitch it to the body of, of, of some people, whole families, children, women, men, everybody. They, they, they so 
this, the cord right to your body. I mean, holes in your, your flesh. You're bleeding. The blood and the smell of the animals all over you. And they toss you in the arena and, and, and allow tigers from India into the arena. And everybody watches and cheers as you go to your death. It was literally a war between the Christians and the Roman Empire. The mighty Roman Empire. The most powerful empire in the world up until this day. And guess what? The Christians won. The Christians won the war. The Christians conquered Rome. The Christians conquered Europe. And you know how they did? By love, by grace, by blessing their enemies. You know, there's a, there's a, a story in, in ancient literature of a, of a Roman general who up in northern Europe was called on to, to execute a whole bunch of Christians. He rounded up all the Christians in the town, took them out on a frozen lake and, and ordered them to strip and stand there until they froze to death. And they sang a hymn on the way out and blessed the Lord in spite of what was going on. And after ordering them to do what he had to, had to order them to do, he took off his own clothes and stood next to them and died with them, a convert that night. We've all heard of the Inquisition. You've got to understand, the Inquisition wasn't God-loving Christians destroying the lives of other people. It was, it was power mongers who usurped the power of the church. It wasn't people like you and me. That's not what the Bible is all about at all. The thing that we ought to remember in the Middle Ages is the plague. You know what the plague is, right? All of Europe got diarrhea. So bad that people dehydrated in a matter of two, three days and died. And nobody had touched the rotten corpse because they were afraid that they would catch it, except for the church. The Christians went out and served their neighbors. And that's how the church won Europe. And Peter here is writing words that would have impact for centuries, would drastically change a culture. And he says, you know, get out there and, and work and serve and have a gentle spirit. Pray and love in the midst of persecution, in the midst of hatred all around you. And you know, there's power in these words. You got to go home and read First and Second Peter. There's huge power in this. Jesus says, turn the other cheek. There's power in turning the other cheek because it shocks people. And so he writes these words to us. And if we're thinking about the world around us, and so often we're seeing it kind of coming apart, and it's so easy to, to get a, a them versus us attitude and those bad people around us. Well, you want to change those bad people, uh, think about these words that Peter writes here. In verse 11, he says, Turn away from evil and do good. Work hard at living in peace with others. I wrote the word care in the margin of my Bible right there. Care for those people around you. Work hard. Live in peace. In verse 12 it says, The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and His ears are open to their prayers. I wrote the word prayer. Now you can tell this is going to get corny any minute here. Care and prayer. Uh, we're already into rhyming. But write the word prayer there, and you'll see the wisdom of this before we're done. Look at verse 15. He says, You must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And he says, If you are asked about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. No preaching at people. No haranguing people here. If they ask you about the hope that's inside of you, be ready to tell them. Be ready to give them an answer. And then he says, um, but you must do this in a gentle and respectful way. He's not coaching people how to argue with others. This isn't a, 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 a spiritual debating society here. This is somebody whose life has made an impact and somebody wants to know. And so you'd be willing to share with them. So here's the word to write there by verse 15, share. Now isn't this cute? Care, prayer, and share. I'd like you to number them, but I want you to switch the order. 
Where you got the word care, write the number two. Where you have the word prayer, write the number one. And when I've put the word share there, write the number three. Because I want you to think about it in these orders. Three steps toward faith in others. I mean, who do you know that really needs the Lord? Who do you know that needs the Lord because the reason is you just love them and you want them to know the Lord and want to spare them judgment? Who do you know that needs the Lord because they're your enemy? And you have a hard time going to sleep at night sometimes because this person gives you such a bad time. Because they need God. And you can do something about it. You know, I began praying for some people in my neighborhood and I've seen one of them come to the Lord and I had nothing to do with it other than continued to pray. I was praying for, I always keep saying I've been praying for somebody that's real close to me that's not walking close to Lord, my brother. And just a few months ago, my brother um, went through some real trying times, but he's found the Lord and he's, and he's living above his problems and, and filled with joy and, and, and peace and happiness. I talked to him last Sunday and he's just having a party in the midst of some terrible things going on in his life. And it's because God is in his life and uh, maybe it took the hard times to get him there, but it's good what goes on. But I want you to think of these three words in this order. Prayer, care, and share. Prayer. That you start to pray for people. You know, I put a lighthouse up there on purpose. Uh, that your house, your, your, your life would be a lighthouse amongst your neighbors. You know, your neighbors are not only just the people who live near you. It's the people, you know, the other night my wife and I went the, to the mall and we... We bumped into a lady at a place we used to shop and we haven't for a while. And, and my wife was wandered off and, and, I, and I, I didn't know if she would remember it. She used to always be really nice and we'd talk to her and stuff. And it had been a long time. And I said, so how are you doing? And she says, oh, fine, I haven't seen you for a while, but I see your wife everywhere. Everywhere I go, I see her in the store, I see her here, I see her there. Uh, but, but that person is our neighbor. I don't know her name. But in the, in the sense of that you have a relationship, that person is your neighbor. That you would be a lighthouse amongst your neighbors, that your life would be. How, what do you do? Well, you start out by prayer. You pray for those people. Sometimes I think it's wise to pray, God, show me how to pray. God, what, what needs to happen to, to that person? You start to, to pray for them. You, you, you walk around, you know, go for walks in your neighborhood, and you happen to know this family over here, the guy just lost his job. Well, when you're walking by, pray that he gets his job. You go on down the street, and there's somebody that's just been diagnosed with cancer, and, and everybody at the mailbox is talking about it. Well, then pray for that person, and, and, and just begin to pray God's grace into their life. Care. You start praying for people, opportunities are going to come to, to, to care for people. You know, that you see they're, they're out there mowing their lawn and the thing, the mower broke. And yours is sitting in your garage not doing much, uh, offer it to them. You know that somebody over here has, has, has uh, been diagnosed with cancer and they're going through chemo and they're not mowing their lawn. Well, get yours out and go mow it for them. That we actually care for people. We get out of ourselves and, and, that, and that we, we have a, a, an attitude of, of, of a servant. That sister-in-law of yours that's so stinky and causes so much trouble, something bad goes down in her life, you be the one to write the nice note. You be the one to loan somebody the money when they're, they're having a real hard time and they could use 500 bucks. That we would get out of ourselves and we would care for other people. And then the share part, I believe, will just follow on after the other two. That if we're praying for people and we're caring for people and caring without the attitude of I'm buying something, you know, I'm, I'm going to do something nice so I get a chance to preach at you. Just forget that. Leave that one up to the Lord. It says here, when people ask you for the reason for the hope within you, well, be ready to give them a nice, gentle answer. And I think that you and I can, can transform the little world right around us. And if enough of us are doing that, 
the light gets pretty bright. Does that make sense to you? And that we would visualize ourselves as kind of lighthouses in our community. But, but to me, this three steps thing that I see in Peter, the, the thing that's important about it is it's doable. It's not like I've got to go buttonhole some guy in the street and be a street preacher or something. You know, I mean, what are the things that people do? I, I can't do that kind of stuff. I sure can pray for people. And I can look in the life of Abraham and I can find boldness to pray and, and, and to negotiate in my prayers. I can care for people. I can dig my wallet out and bless somebody when there's need in their life. I can take a little time to, to just give in to somebody. This, this morning I was on my way to church or on my way to breakfast really early in the morning and I saw my neighbor there. And, and it's a neighbor that some people in the neighborhood aren't real kind to. And the person's been away on a trip for quite some time. They came back, and when they came back, we were away, and I haven't seen them. And I, I just stopped, rolled my window down, and, and said, hey, welcome home. Glad you're here. What's that cost? 30 seconds, you know what I'm saying? Prayer, care, you get a chance to share. I think if we will just kind of, you know, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do my best to say those words, prayer, care, share about five times a month from now on around here. I, I think we can be the salt in the earth. I think we can change uh, the, the community, the culture around us, and, and see God's hand of blessing extended. And if Abraham was willing to pray for despicable neighbors, uh, I think we got some pretty nice ones. And uh, we're, we're, we're leg up on that. And we can go forward and see God do something really strong through our lives. Prayer, care, share. Let's pray together. Lord, we come to you this morning, and we're learning so much from the life of this guy, Abraham, that you hold up as the role model of faith. And uh, at least the thing I like about Abraham is uh, mostly what I, I see in his life is he struggles forward. He kind of fumbles forward, uh, but you keep blessing him anyway. And that gives me a lot of hope that you'll work in the life of some guy like me. And uh, we want to learn the lessons, Lord. We, we want to learn from Abraham's boldness to press in in prayer. Lord, we want to get the lesson that we can see our world changed and, and people who are on their way to destruction, rescued, to see marriages that are about to break up, turn around and, and become places of health and healing for little kids. Uh, God, fix these words, prayer, care, and share in our minds and, and, and help us to, uh, to, to, to be able to operate in, in what those three terms suggest. Lord, make us an invasion force in the world around us. Lord, that we would go out and we would, uh, we would, we would generate uh, love and kindness and compassion the community around us, that we would indeed be a force for good in our world around. Now keep your eyes closed for a moment. We're going to pray again. A very specific prayer that says, God, I need you in my life. Would you come and, and, and join yourself to me and me to you? You know, you may be uh, going through some real difficult times. A lot of times people move into a relationship with God because of pain in their life. Well, you need to know that God likes that. He wants to bless you. He wants to to, to meet your needs and answer your prayers. And if you're in a situation where you just it's appropriate for you to pray this prayer that says, God, come in my life, I want you to join me in this way. I'll pray out loud. You pray, but pray silently. God will hear you. The guy next to you doesn't have to. But if you're going to pray with me, I want you to kind of mark it down in your brain that you did something here today. And the way that I want you to do that is just to tell me we're praying together. I'm going to walk right out of here and forget whoever did this. But you won't. And that's the point. And if you want to pray... And join me in this prayer to ask the Lord in your life. I want you to tell me that we're praying together by looking at me. Everybody else has their eyes closed. If I see you looking at me, I know that's the signal. You're saying, Pastor, I want to join you in this prayer. I see one man looking up at me. Who else you want to? And a very young man. Good. Who else you want to join me in this prayer and ask the Lord into your life? And you in the back. Good. 
Okay, I saw you before. Let's pray together. God, I need you. I need everything good that you have to offer to me. I, 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 I believe in you. I know that you've been kind of reaching into my life and trying to draw me close to yourself. And I'm here to tell you I want to walk with you. I want a friendship with you that will change me and shape my character, shape my values. God, very selfishly, I have problems in my life and I'd like you to fix them up. In fact, I'd like you to fix them up in a way that, that I, I can't ignore that it's you. That my faith and my confidence in you would grow because of the good things that you do in my life. And as I pray that you'll answer in a way that has got your name written all over it and, and strengthen our relationship in that. I surrender leadership of my life to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to The Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel Kaneohe.